It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. Dear friends, I'm so glad that you've joined us for part two. How old is old? How old are we? Not when we were born, but the origin of the earth, the origin of the universe. How old are we? Today I have a special guest, Dr. Tim Standish. Dr. Standish, so glad that you are joining us once again to have discussions on how old is old. I'm glad to be back. And uh, yes, I brought some show and tell with me too. So I'm excited about this program. Yes, we're going we're gonna to get into the show and tell. Dr. Standish, you are the senior scientist for the Geoscience Research Institute. Uh, Geoscience Research Institute is out of California, Southern California. What are you doing these days at the Geoscience Research Institute? Well, um, obviously, we're a research institute, so that means that we engage in a fair amount of uh, research activity. Uh, we have major projects going on in Peru, which is uh, uh, maybe surprising uh, to some people, studying uh, the geology and also the fossils in, in one of the driest uh, places on Earth. Wow. And uh, particularly fossil whales there, which is um, particularly interesting. Uh, we also have a major project going on with the granites uh, that are found there in Southern California, um, asking questions about how they formed. Uh, so those would be two major projects that, uh, that we're involved with uh, currently. Now, why are you doing those projects? Are you just there to spend a little time in Peru and, and be out in the sun in Southern California? Why, why are you doing these projects? Well... Obviously, none of these things is done for one reason. Yes. But the ultimate reason is to understand the past. We want to know what occurred to produce those fossil whales. Yes. What occurred to produce those large um, granite structures in Southern California? What's that all about? What does it tell us about the history of the Earth and um, uh, possibly... Uh, how does it inform our understanding of history as it's recounted in the Bible? And that's very interesting because that's really where we ended. We kind of left on a little bit of a cliffhanger last week. We talked about this issue of nature, observing in nature. And just as a, a review to those who maybe didn't catch the show last week, we, we talked about this issue of natural selection, which a lot of people uh, call survival of the fittest. And as we talked a little, we, we actually saw that in nature, we actually don't observe this constant fight for survival, but rather we observe a, a, a harmony, an interaction. I believe you called it an interdependence. And what we saw in that interdependence, or maybe let me ask you, Dr. Standish, when we see that interdependence, the bee and the flower working together, the bacteria in the stomach and a human being 
working together, what do those things all point to? What does this harmony point to? Well, ultimately, it points to a plan. Uh, there was a plan that was in place so that all these various parts of nature would work together in a coordinated way that benefits all of the organisms that are involved. Uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful uh, set of relationships that we see out there. See, this is the ecologist in me coming out. I love to see this. It is a beautiful thing. Yes. A beautiful thing to see that wonderful cooperation that's going on between organisms that's necessary for our survival. And, and we kind of drew to a conclusion last week that seeing that there's a plan, well, in order to have a plan, there must be a planner. And ultimately, that planner that has generated the plan is the God of the Bible. That's certainly what I believe. Now, we've got this harmony, plan, planner, and you have some rocks there, and we're going to talk about those. But we have a little bit of a problem, Dr. Standish, or maybe I'll say I have a little bit of a problem, Dr. Standish. We see that harmony, but we see death, we see dying, we see uh, lions chasing antelope. Uh, we see that things aren't all harmonious. Yeah, and the lions don't just chase the antelopes. Yes. They, uh, they kill them and eat them. What's and going, what's going uh, on what's there? What's going on there? Uh, this is, this is a, a major question. You know, w w it, most people look around at the world and they, they understand there's something wrong here. There's, there's a kind of profound injustice in what's going on. Um, uh, I like cats, but I also like rabbits. And you know, rabbits, they're pretty harmless creatures. Well, they can, they can scratch you. Yes. But, uh, but they're, you know, they're not doing anyone any harm, really. And yet, they are the prey for different kinds of cats and also eagles and other birds of prey foxes, everything seems to go after the poor little rabbits. It just doesn't seem right. No. Um, the good guy doesn't win all the time. Yes. And uh, uh, what the Bible tells us, sort of within the biblical worldview, yes. this problem of evil in nature yes. is not ignored. What we're told is that this was not God's plan. Okay. When God did the creation at the beginning, it was very good. Yes. Death was not part of that system. It's hard to understand that. I'm a biologist. I can't imagine an ecology working without death. But that's the way it was initially. And then human beings were left in charge. Hmm. God said, you know, you will be my stewards to human beings, human beings made the decision to go with a different plan. <laughs> and that's what we see playing out today. And, uh, you know, and not to make light of a very important subject, but it seems that that is kind of something that can be observed throughout history. When human beings are put in charge, we tend to kind of mess things up. <laughs> things sometimes go wrong. Yes. So s things go wrong, human beings choose a plan, 
other than God's plan. If you're watching today and you have questions about this, we actually did a whole series on Noah where we talk about this problem of sin and the entry of sin. If you'd like to get that program, you can go to our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash IIW Canada and get some in-depth answers. But Dr. Standish, we see sin, we see death, we see the plan, the creation marred. However, with that death, that death has left a record, a fossil record. And even though death is a bad thing, it's our enemy. The Bible says death is our it's enemy. It's the enemy, yes. Yet the same Bible that says that death is our enemy in Romans 8.28 says that God can bring good out of bad things. And so we have the fossil record, which is really, if we, if we lay it all out and just put it very plainly, the fossil record is a record of death. Yes. However, this record of death plays into this conversation we have on origins. So let's talk about that a little sure, bit. Sure, yeah. I'd also want to point out that the Bible talks about death being swallowed up in victory. Yes. And that's that sort of great divine justice that we look forward to, that you know, God's judgment is to raise people from the dead, take them to heaven, do the new creation. It sounds like a good kind of judgment to me. Yes. But, and, and before we get to those rocks, it's very interesting you say that because we don't want to leave people feeling very bad that God has a plan and his goal is to get us back on that plan. And that plan is a new creation. One of my favorite authors talks about after the new creation, uses this line that I love. It says that after God makes this new creation, there will beat one pulse of harmony throughout the universe. And that sounds like what God's original plan was, this harmony of interdependence. And that's what God wants to get us back to, this victory and this harmony that he has for his creation. It certainly sounds like a beautiful thing, doesn't it? Yes. yes. So let's talk about some, some now I, I don't want to call them rocks, but they may look like rocks. However, they are fossils. And these fossils point out some amazing things because often when we talk about fossils, we may see these fossils at a, as a, at a science museum or something like that as evidence of Darwinian evolution. Yes. However, yeah. as a scientist, you may see some different things yeah. in this. You know, there's a, there's a difference between data in science and interpretation. Yes. And the standard interpretation of fossils is that they show the evolutionary history of life. Now, everybody agrees that fossils are a record of things that lived in the past. Okay. Now, the interesting thing about the fossil record um, is that it's a little bit like a book. And you can think of these layers of rocks as being like pages in a book, one on top of the other, or like a layer cake yes. with different things in there. And there are patterns in terms of what appears on the different pages or on the different levels okay. of the fossil record. So one of the things that I wanted to point out to you was, was this. This is 
This is an organism called a trilobite. A trilobite. A trilobite. Now, we might look at it and say, well, that looks like a fairly simple organism. But these were not simple organisms any more than a, a cricket or an insect, uh, you know, some other kind of insect might be a simple organism. These, these uh, trilobites uh, are different from other arthropods, like insects, but they, they seem to have um, had some similarities with them. Okay. Now, the interesting thing about these is, as you come up through the layers of rock, uh, just as when you start turning the pages of a book, you know how there's sort of next to nothing on those first few pages? Yes. That's what it's like in the fossil record for, for some time. Okay. And then, all of a sudden, you have these guys show up. Okay. And they appear. You don't see organisms below them that look like they're slowly turning into trilobites. Hmm. The trilobites just suddenly appear. And they have very complex eyes. They had a complex... Um, a system of, uh, of growth that allow them to shed their, their, their exoskeletons as they grew. They had complex um, nervous systems. These were really, really complicated things, and they show up in incredible diversity, and they show up with a whole bunch of other organisms all in one layer of rock that's called the Cambrian layer. Okay. This is something that's called the Cambrian explosion. There are a few fossils that you find underneath, but they don't look like they are slowly evolving into these organisms that you see in that Cambrian layer. Just boom. All of a sudden you have huge diversity of organisms. You may not have as many species as you have living today, but you have whole groups of organisms that simply are not known to be living today. We certainly haven't found them anywhere. And, they, and, and trilobites would be an example of these. Whole groups of organisms that have disappeared. But the point is, they show up all of a sudden, including, interestingly enough, even vertebrates. Okay. Now, not human beings. Sure. Human beings don't show up. Human fossils don't show up in the Cambrian. But fish-like fossils do. Um, so, and none of these organisms do you, or do you see coming from some sort of slow Darwinian evolutionary process. As you go up to other layers in the fossil record, you also see things suddenly appearing. Birds, for example. Okay. Right at the top of a layer called the Jurassic that some people might have heard of because of a film called Jurassic Park. Sure. Right at the top of that layer and the bottom of the next layer above called the Cretaceous, all of a sudden you have a lot of different kinds of birds and they appear pretty much all over the world, all in that same layer of rock. So sudden appearance is something that you see in the fossil record. It is essentially the opposite of what Darwinian evolution predicts. What, uh, now, yeah, this is, yeah. now, this is fascinating. So. Um, I, I just took a visit out to Drumheller. So you're in Canada, and Drumheller is the dinosaur capital of the world, right here in Canada. When we went out there to Drumheller in the Badlands, you can look out and you see this layering happening, you know, various colors, various densities, various different things. And what you're saying 
is as you look at the fossil record, you don't have organisms underneath the, I believe you call it the cambrium layer, where the trilobites are found, yeah. that are organisms that look like they're becoming trilobites, organisms becoming trilobites, they simply just appear. That's right. That's, it's as if they came from nowhere. But you see the same thing with birds. You see these, the same thing with other um, major groups of organisms. The, the, um, uh, the, the appearance of flowering plants in the fossil record. Um, Charles Darwin talks about it as, as an abominable mystery. Um, and he, he was well aware of this problem. Yes. What he attributed it to was problems with the fossil record rather than problems with his theory, hmm. which, was, which was an interesting thing. He, says, he called it imperfection in the geologic record, geological record. So um, that's an interesting thing. Another thing that you see is sudden disappearance of things. Okay. things. Things are very systematic in there. So for example, uh, this, this here is a little piece of dinosaur bone. Hmm. And dinosaurs, uh, which we've already talked about a little bit, they appear in what are called Mesozoic rocks. You can think of the Mesozoic as being like a chapter in the book uh, that these layers of rock make up. Um, then they disappear at the top of the Mesozoic. At the same time, another kind of organism, this is called a, an ammonite, disappears as well. In fact, a huge number of organisms disappear and we never see them again. They don't live, they're not found living today. There's a big question about what caused things to be sorted out in the way they are in the fossil record. Yes. And to be perfectly honest with you, I've listened to lots of explanations. Yes. I've listened to explanations that involve huge periods of time. They don't work. I've listened to explanations that involve short periods of time. And of course, uh, those of us who believe the Bible believe that the time is thousands of years, not millions or billions of years. And to be perfectly honest with you, I haven't heard an explanation that really accounts for these kinds of patterns, this sorting out that we see in there. However, the sudden appearance does not go along well with Darwinism. Okay. In addition to that, when you look at these organisms, I mean, look at this trilobite here. It's, it's a beautiful thing. These organisms look just as complicated, just as elegant, just as beautiful as the organisms that we see living today. We don't see organisms going from simple to complex. We don't see organisms going from just one kind to multiple kinds as you go up through the fossil record. What we see is sudden appearance of complex, elegant, beautiful creatures. And so, sudden appearance, sudden disappearance, but let's just focus on the sudden appearance of complex, beautiful creatures. You say you haven't, you've heard lots of lectures, no explanation. I've read lots of books too. There, there are explanations, but none of them really fits. None of them does uh, an adequate job of truly 
explaining why things are sorted out so neatly in the fossil record. Invoking huge periods of time is not particularly helpful for many reasons. Um, and, and, and we could talk about that, but it would take a long time to unpack. But just let me give you one example. Please. Um, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, or pretty much, probably in Drumheller, you can see this. Did you notice that the layers were very flat? Yes. There. Some of those layers are supposed to have gaps of time between them. Yeah. Millions of years. Well, over millions of years, things erode away. That's how you're supposed to get things like the Grand Canyon, right? It's supposed right. to have taken... I mean, now, I don't believe that the Grand Canyon took millions of years. No. But my point is this. Everybody understands that there should be erosion in there. You shouldn't have nice flat layers. They should be eroded. Yes. Dramatically eroded. But that's not what you see. It doesn't look like the time is there. So, what's the explanation then, Doctor? Well... I wish I could, you know, I don't want to give you a glib, simple explanation. Yes. I believe that much of the fossil record can probably be accounted for by a global catastrophe. Now, I'm being very parsimonious okay. because other scientists believe that there were several global catastrophes. Okay. So I'm only saying, I, I just think there was probably one global catastrophe. We call it Noah's flood. Yes. And that that may explain much of what we see. The problem is no one was there. <laughs> okay. The account of the flood that we have is the closest thing that we have to a sort of eyewitness account or at least a, um, a, a, an account um, that was passed down over time to, to modern people. Yes. But, um, you know, we see that account in cultures all over the world. Yes. Um, it, seems, it seems like it made a profound impact on humanity. Yes. So you're, we're seeing this pattern and these patterns showing up in the fossil record, patterns, patterns that seem to point to some type of catastrophe happening worldwide. What are some other conclusions that we can draw from these patterns that we're seeing and this question of origins and how old are we really? Well, there, there are a couple of points that I'd, I'd pull out of this. First of all, it's very interesting to me that the Bible provides both a coherent story of origins or account of origins, one that, one that at least provides an adequate cause for what we see with living things. And then it also provides an account of a global catastrophe, the flood, okay, um, that also may help us understand why we find all of these fossils stacked up as they are. Now, it also leaves plenty of open mysteries for us. Sure. Yeah. We don't know why it is that you only find the uh, dinosaur remains in the Mesozoic rocks. You know, why, why is that? It's a very interesting and mysterious thing. Um, maybe, maybe we'll figure it out one day. Maybe we'll have to wait until Jesus comes. But the thing that I would point out is these patterns do not fit with the Darwinian model. The Darwinian model of slow, gradual change over long periods of time is not recorded in the fossil record. And so saying that, you know, it's very interesting. 
Jesus made a statement one time. He said that uh, as he was making the triumphal entry and the, and the Pharisees were telling him to quiet the people who were all happy to see he was coming, glory to God in the highest. And he says, if I quiet them, the rocks will cry out. And Dr. Standish, it seems to, to me, as you're talking about this, that the fossil record, and I know scientists wouldn't like for me to call fossils rocks, but it would seem to me that the rocks are crying out that our world, oversimplifying things a little bit, our world, me as a human being, I'm not the product of some accident or rearrangement of atoms, but it seems that it points to something. Dr. Standish, what's it pointing to? Well, I would say that it points towards, uh, first of all, it points backwards towards a creation. Something, these organisms that lived in the past are just as amazing as the organisms living today. They didn't slowly come into, into existence. So it points back to the original creation and it also encourages us then to look forward to the new creation that the Bible talks about. Uh, God says, I will make all things new. Dr. Standish, it is hard to believe we are out of time once again. Thank you for sharing this and let's have a word of prayer, thanking God that he has a plan and that plan is driving toward a new creation when all things will be a harmonious once again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are the planner, that you had a plan. And that plan is that each of us would be a part of the new creation in heaven where we could spend eternity with you. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My dear friends, how exciting it is. The fossil record, which is a record of death, which is the enemy, yet even the enemy, that record of death, points to a God that has a plan, and that plan is to bring us back to the new creation. Today, I'd like to offer to you an authentic fossil. I also want to offer to you the Discover Bible Guide. The Discover Bible Guide will help you get to know the planner, Jesus Christ. Here's the information you need to receive today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario. L1H 7V4. 
and thank you for your prayer requests and your generous financial support. That's It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7V4. Dr. Standish, thank you so much for being with us today. And thanks for having me. Dear friends, join us again next week as we continue the discussion, How Old is Old. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.